everybody. This is Mark Carrig. I'm a senior writer at The Athletic, and you are listening to Beyond the Scrum with Andy McCullough, also a senior writer at The Athletic. How you doing, Andy? Uh, I'm not in a clubhouse, Mark. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Same, bro. Same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it took a pandemic to finally accomplish what uh, they couldn't in years of CBA negotiations. <laughs> And this was quite effective, I must tell you. I, I'm, I'm in Florida now, and uh, man, what a weird day. But before we get to all that weirdness, let's do some business here. Um, if you haven't subscribed already, please do so. Check it out, theathletic.com uh, slash beyond the scrum. Um, and if you have time, you know, it'd be nice if you would rate and review this little podcast of ours, episode two. And uh, as Andy's already mentioned, the coronavirus has given us a lot to talk about today. So, Andy, what do you got in the old coronavirus? Uh, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, do not care for what it is doing to the world. And uh, am, you know, uh, more than a little uh, nervous about a uh, global stress test and how uh, we're going to be able to respond as a, uh, you know, uh, society, but other than that, I mean, uh, no, no major concerns. <laughs> I guess we'll all move past it at some point, maybe, sort of. Um, uh, I mean, unless you've read the book The Stand. Uh, so, wh- what was your day like today? <laughs> so today was your first. Uh, it was your first day in, or, or excuse me, in Phoenix. No, in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what what is the deal out there? Like, were you at, uh, where were you, and uh, what was the access like? And maybe we can talk a little bit about why uh, everyone in the media is very upset about this. Yeah, I mean, I was at Philly's camp today in Clearwater, and I was I got to give the PR staff there a lot of credit. I think they did the best they could to make players available. So. Um, it actually felt like covering college football again. Oh, yeah. I covered Maryland before covering baseball. And, like, I, you know, baseball is a grind to cover. There's a lot of things about it that are very difficult. You're away from your family a lot. You're on a lot of road trips, and it's a lot of time away. It, it's, uh, it can be difficult, but one of the things that's a saving grace is that the access is great. Um, you know, there's time to get to know some of the people you're covering a little bit. And uh, so today... Uh, it was it felt like college football. You basically were like, "Hey, can I talk to X guy?" And they'd pull him out of the clubhouse, and you'd talk to him at a picnic table outside of the room. So um, that was a little weird. Uh, I think not just for us, but also for the players, because I, I think I was reminded today, at man, how routine oriented these guys are. And so when yeah. you throw something different into the routine, even they're kind of taken aback by it. But you know, like it's. I think there's been a lot of discussion about this, obviously, from writers, um, you know, and, and that, that can be taken as, as whining, and I get that. Um, but I think I was reminded of it today. Like, a lot of the folks, you know, the men and women that cover baseball every single day, I think they just want to do a good job. And when you have less access, it's harder to do, to do a good job. And I think that's been a lot of the source of the frustration that you've seen out there. I, you know, I think folks know that there's a lot of larger things going on here. Um, and certainly there's some worry that this is something that doesn't get changed back despite the reassurances of the leagues. But I think the source of kind of the groaning about it is people just want to do a good job. And it's harder to do that when, you know, you don't have the access. So I, I'm just curious, like from your, because you're not in a camp right now, 
Like what, what's been your kind of feel for it? Because you're, you're getting a sense from a larger picture, right? You're on Twitter, I'm sure, seeing like what, what other camps have been like, which I couldn't do because I was kind of busy. But I don't know what it looked like from your vantage point. Buddy, I picked a great day to leave the Cactus League. I flew home last night. Uh, it was great. My timing was immaculate. I have uh, no complaints. I think they're doing a great job. They should keep the riffraff out for good. That's my stance. Now, um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of look at it as like, you know, obvious. I thought Ken Rosenthal, uh, you know, shocker here, but Ken wrote a very reasonable, uh, you know, intelligent column explaining why access matters, you know, why uh, you, it's good for fans. I mean, obviously, like, there's this whole weird phenomenon now where, like, reporters have become kind of like, public figures because of social media so like you know there's like so fans can dislike you know can dislike when reporters are kind of um complaining you know about access and saying this isn't fair and you know blah 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 blah. and you know i think ken did a really good job of uh you know explaining that we are doing this in the public interest so you know more about the people who are involved in the sport that you like so much. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think obviously uh, it's going to make that more of a challenge during, you know, however long this takes, but at the same time, you know, it's not like the players aren't doing interviews. Um, It's not like, you know, that they're not, like talking and that we're, you know, that we're suddenly becoming, you know, like EPL soccer where like there, we have to like embargo everything for days at a time. Um, you know, look, we're, we're reporters, you know, we go and do our job and sometimes the circumstances, you know, of our job change. And, um, obviously if this becomes a permanent thing, yeah, everyone should go crazy. It's, you know, it's ridiculous and short-sighted and stupid if major league baseball and the NBA and the NHL and, you know, like, I mean, I, I don't even know if soccer uh, has, you know, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what soccer does. Um, but you know, like if all the American sports leagues, you know, decide like, Oh, actually we're just going to keep this practice up for good. I mean, then yeah, we should all, you know, be really upset. But until then, like, I don't know, man, it's, it's, you know, this is a scary time. Uh, this is a scary time. And so I don't know if like, uh, I don't know if, 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 yeah, I mean, like the bigger concern, you know, is kind of like if the season's going to start on time. You know, I mean, what, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, not to be too alarmist, but um, that to me is is kind of something that I think, you know, as, as more and more events get canceled, like we're gonna have to start thinking about reasonably, like what what happens. I mean, can you can you play these games you know with thousands of people all gathered together i mean i, I you know i don't know i mean uh, personally i think they're going to cancel the world series of poker which is going to save me you know thousands of dollars so that's good <laughs> um I, I i don't know i, I don't know i think I, I i i'm kind of in the wait and see mode i just kind of want to you know like I believe in, you know, Andrew Friedman's principle of optionality. We'll kind of just let things play out and, you know, see where they go, I guess. If that makes sense, Mark. Yeah, it does. I, you know, I want to steer clear of, like, complaining about access because I don't know if that's real productive and given how serious You just want to save is. that for your text messages for me? Yeah, I'll save that for the company <laughs> Slack um, when I've got the ass at the airport because on literally my first day to come to Florida is when – 
this all goes down, which is, you know, as great as, as your timing was, uh, as has been typical in our friendship, my timing was awful. So now <laughs> I'm like, you're trying to like, but like, but in all seriousness, man, like I, I think it's a given. We all know that this is way more serious than like talking yeah. to people in the clubhouse. And I don't even think it has to be said. It's, it's, it's that obvious. So I, I'm kind of, what, what interests me though, is that I've, I'm seeing this debate on social media and all of a sudden everyone on Twitter is a sports media expert and is telling me how it works, like mm -hmm. how, you know, how you can do your job without access and all that. And I think it's the one thing that's annoyed me about this debate is that, you know what, folks don't actually know how this works. Cause I, I think the information they have is that <clears throat> there's a TV camera at the end of the game and they're at some dude's locker and there's a bunch of people firing off these, you know, pretty mundane questions and getting mundane answers. And they think that's kind of the extent of it. And I, I don't know, I think it would be instructive to kind of let people know, how does this actually work? Right? Like what, what is going on in that clubhouse aside from what the person sitting at home can see, which is oftentimes, I think a really, really narrow sliver what is actually going on. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think part of the issue is that different fans want different, consume different, you know, types of stories, if that makes sense. And so there are a lot of folks, especially, you know, on social media who um, follow us for just kind of basic you know, news sense. Well, I actually, I don't know why they would possibly follow you, but they follow me, um, <laughs> you know, for just sort of basic, like kind of news sense, I guess. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and there are some people who really like interesting stories. There are some people who really like writing. There are some people who really like a certain team, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think you get, uh, a cross section of readers with, you know, a diverse set of interests. And so sometimes when, you know, when you're trying to, um, you know, serve all of those, it, it can be challenging. And so um, there are some folks, you know, who just aren't interested in, I think the sort of content that, that, you know, you, you use that clubhouse access to produce, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like that stuff mm -hmm. isn't really relevant to someone's fantasy baseball team, for example. But if you're, you know, a fan of the New York Yankees, you know, you should, uh, and you are interested in the players and the personalities on the team, then you should want clubhouse access. So, you know, Lindsay Adler and Rustin Dodd and uh, Mark Carrig can write, you know, really interesting stories about those people. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a matter of, you know, understanding what the fans who are theoretically arguing are actually interested in, I guess. And that's and that's kind of where the access debate, um, you know, kind of tilts in a way. Yeah. I, you know, the point you make there is so true. There there's a lot of people in that room and not everybody's doing the exact same job. Right. But I think what what really gets to me, though, is this idea that the whole thing is a setup for like the press conference setting that you see at home. And, and that could not be yeah. less true. I mean, you know, like on a typical day uh, for seven o'clock game, you're getting to the park about two thirty, three o'clock, the clubhouse opens. And you know what? That time isn't press conference time for, for most people in that room. That's when you're talking and having a conversation with somebody in their comfortable place. 
Uh, you know, and I think it's funny because, like, yeah, I talked to the people I needed to talk to today. Um, again, Philly's PR, I thought, did a nice job with that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how it went with every other camp because it, it felt to me like everyone was kind of doing something different because uh, obviously, right, the, the situation is, is evolving quickly. And so people are kind of scrambling. But so it wasn't like there was an issue with talking to people. It was more like it felt weird to do it in an unfamiliar place. And you could tell that folks just weren't as comfortable with that. And, and you yeah. know, I talked to guys today that that I've covered in the past that I've known for a while. And, you know, we were both just sort of like, you know, on both sides of that conversation, kind of just like, wow, this is really odd. And like, you know, baseball players are kind of slaves to routine and this was out of the routine. So there was that element of it today too. But I think the biggest thing that I see that, that I think is getting lost in this is, uh, you know, the media access that people see at home, like through a, a, press conference setting or some camera in a locker like that's not really an accurate representation of how this goes and I think uh, the best stories the ones that that are most uh, enlightening to people the ones that I think folks gravitate toward a lot are the ones that are built over small conversations over a long period of time I mean yeah uh, that clubhouse access to me is a chance to have running dialogue which to me is way more important than Hey, give me a soundbite. Give me just some quote to throw in some story. Like I think it's it goes well beyond that for a lot of people, and, and it feels like that's getting lost here. Because you're going to still get your press conference stuff. We saw it today, but I think right. you are going to miss some nuance there. And I don't know if you saw it. There's a couple of players that kind of made reference to that, which was I thought really interesting. In what way? So Votto was talking about it. Uh, your oh, guy, yeah. Joey Votto. Had, uh, you know, Trent, Trent Rosecrans tweeted it out. And <clears throat> essentially, he was talking about the importance of nuance in face-to-face conversations in, in that setting and how you can convey so much more doing it that way than, you know, some of the things they're having to work around with now, right? Like taking somebody outside and uh, you know, having yeah. group interviews or whatever. And I think there was a lot of truth to that. You know, I was just reading an article uh, before we started this, where I think Archie Bradley had said something similar to that in the, in the Diamondback Clubhouse. Um, you know, Bryce Harper talked to a group of people today, and this guy is scrutinized and like has all these people trying to talk to him all the time. He's like one of the guys I would think would be like rejoicing, not having to deal with it. And even he was sitting there talking about, hey, this is a part of the deal, and it's uh, there's a role that it plays. So I mean, part of that was was kind of nice to hear, right? Like it, it's sort of a, a cool perspective that, you know, you don't necessarily ask about that kind of stuff because really what what would the point be of doing that in a normal setting? But, I mean, I think, you know, something we talked about last week was players sensing that there's a value to having outlets cover you and, and mm-hmm. being like more aware of that now. And, and I think I kind of felt some strains of that today, which was I didn't expect, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think there's, there's uh, you know, the – the, the argument has always been right. Like say you're uh, there's been guys over the years I've covered who like, don't like talking to us. Right. Which like is fine. You know, like you're, I mean, I wouldn't want to talk to me either. Right. But you know, sometimes <laughs> you try and make your pitch for like, well, here's why you should talk to me. And it's, you know, and one is like, well, you, you know, you build up goodwill. You know, they say like, well, you know, it's like, if, if I talk to you, you're still going to rip me. So it's not like I can build up goodwill with you. And it's like, well, yes, yes, I will. You know, that's not that's not how it works. But I you know, you can have your perspective 
in presented, you know, in the stories, you can have your perspective, you know, presented. So people understand where you're coming from, you know, what you were attempting to do when you made a managerial move or when you, you know, made a, you know, pitching change or when you made a, you know, a, uh, like, a, you know, a, a choosing a pitch to throw to a certain guy, you know, and you have relationships with people where they understand, you know, who you are and what you're about and, you know, what goes into the decision. And so, you know, everyone benefits from that, I guess, you know, the, the people, the subjects benefit because their, um, their viewpoint, their perspective is presented fairly. The journalists benefit because, you know, they present better information to the readers and ultimately the readers and the fans benefit because they learn more about the game. And so uh, I, I would think that, I mean, it's, it's encouraging to see that players seem to understand, you know, they don't want a system like, British soccer or whatever, you know, because I think that actually becomes more intrusive in a way, you know, that's where you get like people asking you questions on the street and stuff. And here it's like pretty cut and dried, you know, like there's a, you know, we're around, we talk to you, uh, you know, a decent amount of the time, but you also are like allowed to be a human being once you leave the park. And so I think players probably understand that, you know, they'd like to keep that system going because it seems like it works out okay for everyone. Yeah, I, that's a great point about uh, that separation, right? Like, I mean, you know, you could theoretically be texting people constantly. You could be calling them all the time in the offseason, all that stuff. And I yeah. don't know, for me, like, I, I kind of try to be mindful of that because, you know what, when when it's clubhouse time and, and we're at the park, all right, like, you're fair game. Like, we're all at work. We're all professionals. And, like, part of the job is talking to each other. But... Once that ends, I think, you know, I know I've always felt that separation, right? Like, like you yeah. said, it, it's not, if I see, in fact, like I have a rule and someone taught me this early, early on. It's like, if you, you know, after a game, regular season game, let's say you're on the road, you end up in a restaurant or a bar or whatever, and you see somebody there on the team, like the first thing I'm doing is turning right around and walking out. Like, I, I don't want any part of that. Like, I just don't. And, like, and the people yeah. will be annoyed sometimes. Like, dude, you're, you're like, that's too much. It's like, no, 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 it's not too much because we see plenty of each other at the park, all right? Like, and and these guys, like, I, res- I understand the desire to have I'm some I'm on their space, side. That's you know? too much. No, that's too much. That's too much. You can still eat You think no something? No. Yeah. Uh, I don't on. like it. That's ridiculous. I don't like it. Okay, you restaurant's a little different, so- but the bar is different. Okay. Well, you know, okay, the bar, yeah, it depends on the size of the bar. Uh, you know, yeah. But a restaurant, that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, I don't I mean, that's it. ridiculous. What, what, what are you living in fear that you're going to be, you know, it, seven tables down from Jock Peterson? What's wrong with you? That sounds terrifying. I'm just kidding. I don't, well, I don't know. For him, I guess. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the part about English soccer. I get so what you're saying. I get what you're saying. That is, I mean, it's. It, I guess the the uh, the the move is to just you know maybe nod and then never talk to the person. <laughs> just like right. leave yeah, them alone. I you guess. Know? Yeah, yeah, sure. That's the sure. move. I, I mean, turning around and running away. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's. I'm weird. But what do you what do you want from me? But like, yeah, obviously. The, the obviously, but you know the thing that. You talked about English soccer, right? Like the, the yeah. restrictions on access there are totally different. Like this is a very American phenomenon to go into a clubhouse after a game, um, you know. And it's actually a relatively new one, right? Like it, it's when you look at the old days of sports writing, guys didn't do that. The, the sports writers would sit in the box and just write whatever they wanted. Uh, they weren't going to the clubhouse until you know later on. 
But, uh, you know, I wonder if the sport, if baseball itself can afford to limit access that way. Because, like, I can see it in the NFL and I can see it in the NBA. Yeah. Those, those sports have grown to the point where, uh, you know, it's sad to say, but I don't know if they necessarily need it as much as, like, baseball does, which is running right. third. And right. it's not going to catch those two sports anytime soon. And, and the, the problems with it are well documented, right, with the youth movement or lack of youth, like, participating and watching and all that. I, I get the feeling that baseball still needs that just from that practical level. So I, I would hope that this doesn't, you know, spur on this idea that they can do away with access because, I, I mean, frankly, I think it would be bad for the sport. And, you know, I feel like it was interesting to see a couple of players say that too, which, again, did not expect uh, to hear that. Now, maybe that's just playing to the audience. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe they're just opening the old Panda Express to a bunch of writers, but I don't know. I seemed to me like it was legit. Wait, they're opening the what? The, the Pander Express. What? <laughs> like, because there's, there's what? a Chinese restaurant called the Panda Express. You, you see what I'm is saying? That a, but is that of a panda, saying? It's pander. Do people use that? that that's, that's quoting uh, Charlemagne the God, believe it or not. He, he did use that, and it was hilarious. He used it after seeing, uh, uh, who was it? Oh, Tom Steyer. Dancing to back that ass up. Oh no! <laughs> In South oh, Carolina, no. and he tweets oh, no. a video, or no, he IGs a video and goes, "The Pander Express is open," which I thought was first of all, I thought of Dave Lennon first of all, because you know Lennon, like Newsday's baseball columnist, is also from Boston, and and he would say Pander if he was trying to say Panda. But second thing I thought of was, wow, that was clever, because that was exactly right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on from politics uh, <laughs> because I don't know. I don't know if I can handle. Let's just move on. In addition to, in addition to, yeah, uh, I would. Yeah. I think I would just to, to wrap this up. I think we're wearing tinfoil hats if we think we're getting kicked out of the clubhouse full time after this. Yeah, uh, I, I just I, would, I, I, would I don't. You're right. Yeah, I, I think no. I think we're being a little too a little too paranoid, honestly. Uh, I mean, they're having, I mean, we're having a national pandemic. Like I, I think not, you know, this isn't going to stop it, but like, I think we're under, you know, emergency circumstances. So yeah, no doubt about it. So in this, in the, in the interest of moving on, Andy, um, mm. we're going to play a little game here. Uh, it's called one or zero. Oh and yeah. This is a, it's a binary code obviously. And I think this is pretty self-explanatory. So I've got a list of topics here that you, you, you don't know about. And, and no, I'm just curious on your take about a couple of these things. So um, here we go. Number one, Clayton Kershaw, opening day starter. Is that a one or is that a zero? Ooh, that's interesting. I, 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 uh, I'll say it's a one because I understand why the move was made and uh i think it means a lot to him and um yeah i mean i i think you can make a pretty strong argument for you know for a variety of reasons for going with walker bueller in that spot but uh it's i can't give it a hard zero because clayton kershaw was actually better than walker bueller statistically last year so like i, I don't know i i don't know it's, that's a tough one you're really putting me on the spot here mark <laughs> out of the gate strong it, it's a one for me uh yeah. i mean you know what it, it, there's it's an opening day start and like there's symbolism there and you know what clayton kershaw deserves that all right i don't you know like we, we can talk all day about whether he was what he was he's not 
but he's still a good major league pitcher and really more the biggest thing is that come on like he is the guy all right and he's still the guy and like and i think that 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 spot to me is like you're uh you're talking to your fans you're you're, you're telling your fans you know we also value him in the way that you do and, yeah, you know, you know what? You actually game. just no. You actually just made the argument for why Walker Bueller should be uh, should be starting because uh, you know the argument should be that you know and, and look like Clayton Kershaw's a Hall of Famer. He's uh, had a tremendous career. He remains a very good pitcher. But I, I wrote this in you know October. The team needs to break its addiction to relying on him. And, <laughs> um, it's you know, one game saw, though, Andy. Yeah, but it's you know, game. but. But the argument would be, you know, this is just part of it. It's it's creating a paradigm where you're not relying on him in to come out of the bullpen in postseason games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You got me so, fired up, like so. Now you, it's a you zero. Fired up Are you saying it's a zero? I think you're a zero. That's what. I, wow. That's where I'm coming to. That's yeah. You know what? Your glasses argument. are a zero. No, no, no. Your glasses are a zero. Moving Fair on. Um, yeah. There's a Twitter feed at asterisk tour. It is the Astros uh, shame tour is what they build themselves as. And they have been tweeting pictures of fans coming to Astros games wearing garbage cans as clothing or as accessories. Is that a one or is that a zero? Zero. And why? I, I don't know. <laughs> why why did i ever you know one of the uh one of the reasons i've always uh been or for a long time i've been uh you know kind of nervous about being in a position where i'm like a columnist is i think people are just gonna hate my opinions uh so leave it at that yeah it's a zero for me a little tired it's like it's funny but like you know two of them are funny and if this yeah. is going to be like a season-long thing, I, you know, it starts to wear yeah. a little thin. It gets tired. Um, you alluded to this earlier. As of now, Major League Baseball is still planning on having opening day as scheduled, uh, given all of this stuff with the coronavirus. Is that a one or is that a zero? I mean, it's a, it's a one if they can pull it off. But, uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I... I, I um doesn't bode well with the way other sports and leagues are handling this. You know, the NCAA, uh, the Ivy League canceled their tournament. Uh, you know, Indian Wells canceled their tennis tournament. Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, I don't really understand what I'm supposed to be rooting for or what, like, we as a society are supposed to be rooting for to happen here. Um, you know, I guess that we just get things under control, but that seems kind of far away so i i you know i really i really don't know uh it'd be nice if they could do it but um i don't know i i it's it's a tough one yeah no it feels like a zero to me like this is some serious stuff and as you mentioned there's already been other leagues uh that have uh made adjustments um I, but you know what at the same time like it is a wait and see but i'd be kind of surprised at this point if this thing uh, isn't impacted just because, you know, you've seen so many of the other leagues already um, make some moves in that direction. You're talking about the KBO, obviously, and, and NPB. So, and the last thing here, Andy, Barry Bonds tells our Andrew Baggerly that he's been given, quote, a death sentence by MLB. Is that take a one or a zero? 
Uh, um, well, uh, first of all, I think it's a, it's a great job by Bags on the story. Uh, I thought it was a really, really uh, insightful look into, um, you know, Bonds's um, sort of current mindset, which and it was certainly not what I was expecting to read on Sunday morning. It was a very, uh, very interesting uh story i would say that take is a zero uh if only because you know he said this as a guest instructor at giants camp i mean you know like it he he, there's certainly a a fair gripe you know that uh you know his, his his performance on the field merits him a place in the hall of fame uh and you know he's kind of there it's a very awkward dance that he does as someone who, you know, has kind of been pushed aside by the hall of fame voters, but is also still being celebrated by his former team. And so, um, but I, I think it's a bit of a, it's a zero. Yeah. Because I just don't think it's necessarily accurate. I, I, I don't, I mean, do, 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 do people, I mean, do we really not think Bar- like Barry Bonds is good? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think people, I don't know if it's anything's changed about, what his perception is, I guess major league baseball doesn't show his highlights Would that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah, if in the it. public consciousness, like there's a, you know, people have forgotten that Barry Bonds was probably the best baseball player who ever lived. Yeah. It's a zero for me. And I, you know what I think about, even when he was playing and as great as he was, right. All these MVPs and there's a period of time there where he was the most dangerous hitter at the plate. And you could argue, like you just said, maybe he was the best ever. Um, it never felt to me like he ever had like giant endorsements. It wasn't like Griffey where, you know, there was a video game and you put the TV on and he's selling shoes or, or whatever had, whatever it was, Barry Bonds wasn't, you know, one of those guys, at least it never felt that way to me. So it's interesting, like in his post playing career, obviously there's a lot of baggage there and a lot of suspicion and, and whatever. But, uh, this has just sort of been a continuation of that. And it makes me wonder, was that his choice, all right? And if so, then, you know, go change it, right? I mean, we talked about Alex Rodriguez last week being in your living room every Sunday night. Um, <laughs> so why don't you go hire Alex's people? You know what I mean? Like, seriously. Oh, like my if, gosh. Like, go, go for it. Like, if, if, this, if, if you feel like you have a death sentence and you really want to get back in and you're heartbroken, go hire whoever remade Alex Rodriguez's image, pay him whatever it takes, and then let him well, work for you. Here's, you know, my counter to that would be is that, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think Bonds deserves our scorn because he happened to be, you know, uh, in, he happened to give interesting answers to a journalist. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he was like on Twitter, like sort of complaining about this sort of stuff. Like maybe I'd kind of take your, you know, tack of like, you know, go do something about it. But I just think, you know, he was just bags was catching up with him and he's, you know, they've, he knows, knows Barry fairly well, having covered him and, you know, asked him some questions and Barry decided to open up. And so I just, I don't know if it's necessarily a portrait of a man who's like, you know, trying to, uh, you know, trying to maybe like, you know, curry favor. It just sounds like kind of a, you know, guy who's just kind of sad. I mean, about like how things have gone. And I think, you know, that even if I don't necessarily agree with his take and agree with, you know, I I, I thought it was very insightful into where, uh, you know, he seems to be uh, as a, you know, as just like a human being at this point in his life. And that's kind of why the story is, you know, resonates with people. 
And like, I get, you know, that it's controversial to say I had a death sentence and all that sort of stuff. But like, I just looked at it as like, this is a, this guy just seems kind of sad. And that is interesting, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I want to get back to that story as we go, because I, I think for both of us, it's probably like the read of the week. But, you know, just just a quick reminder to folks, you know, if you like this podcast, uh, you probably have a major league club that you're passionate about. And The Athletic has you covered with 16 local MLB podcasts. So these shows feature the best baseball writers in the business, along with broadcasters and former players. And as of now, The Athletic's baseball podcasts are free on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. So check out The Athletic's network of baseball podcasts today and save 40% on a one-year subscription to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash scrum. So, you know, getting back to, to wrap it up, that story, which I thought, I mean, bags did a heck of a job with it. I, in reading it, the thing that, that strikes me, and I've seen this in Andrew's work like for a long, long time. He writes with authority that is hard to get. And 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 he has it because he's been there for a long time and, and he knows the team and he knows the organization inside and out. But if you read it, I feel like he framed it so well to let you decide what your takeaway would be there. And, you know, he was, I think, really transparent about the parts of that story that are sticky and complicated because Barry Bonds is a very complicated figure. So, you know, I just wanted, again, if if you haven't read the story, check it out. I think Andrew did a terrific job. And and as Andy just mentioned, you know, that's the kind of thing that happens when you build rapport with someone over time. Uh, But I also just thought the execution of it was 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 really, really strong and it elevated the story. So I, I mean what was your takeaway from it, Andy? Good story, man. I I yeah, it was a good story. Uh it was not what I was expecting to read when I clicked on the link, even looking at the headline. It was a lot darker and a lot more interesting um than I expected to read. And uh, I mean you, you know what I mean? Like there's lots of times like, you know, uh there's you know like it, there's lots of times where you click on a story and you, you know, you enjoy it and you appreciate the execution and all that sort of stuff. But it's also like, you know, yeah, this is what I thought. This is how I thought this was going to go. This is what I thought people were going to say, et cetera, et cetera. Um, This one was the story from bags was different and that it's just, you know, it was just, it was just different. It was, it was interesting. You know, it's not every day you get Barry Bonds just sound, you know, like just talking with such pathos about, you know, kind of where he's at and, you know, you can, debate whether he's being you know whiny you can debate you know whatever but i just i think our job is to you know a lot of times is to talk to these folks and to you know produce um i mean i keep using the same word interesting but like that's kind of what i come back to you know it's like just find ways to you know show who these guys are and i think bags did a really good job you know portraying where bonds is in this like little sliver in time it's a great story you should read it yeah no doubt well folks check it out Again, Andrew Baggerly on Barry Bonds. It's on The Athletic. Um, That's it for us this week. We'll catch up with you again next week. Andy, are you going to be in a camp next week, or are you still home? Uh, I may go back to Arizona late next week. Uh, I'm working on a couple different things, Um, you know, getting – uh, you know, I had a interview request for the honky tonk man rebuffed, uh, you know, so I'm just, <laughs> I'm having a, I'm having a really good spring brother. Let me tell you, uh, you should try Jimmy Hart. I just, just say, you know, Hey, if you're, 
if you're listening to this podcast and you are a famous pro wrestler, please email me. I want to talk to you for a story. Please. I've been rebuffed by the WWE. I've had uh, messages to Booker T, the Dudley Boys, Paul Heyman, Jim Cornette, and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, all went unresponded to. Mick Foley didn't respond to me. If you are a famous pro wrestler, please send me an email at Andy Mc- what is my What are our emails? McCullough at theathletic.com. Please. I want to talk to you for a story. Please. Even if you weren't a good pro wrestler. Even if you're Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I want to talk to you. Please. Someone who was in the wrestling business. Respond to my emails. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> That's Andy McCullough. I'm having a hard time. I'm Mark I'm Kering. having a hard time, Mark. <laughs> I can hear that. I can hear that. Uh, and we're, we're going to leave it at that, Andy. Um, good talking to you, man. We'll, we'll uh, get together again next week. Hopefully, you've gotten one of those wrestlers by then. Um, a McCullough at theathletic.com, please. <laughs> and if you're listening to this and you know a wrestler and you follow a wrestler, tweet at the wrestler and tell that wrestler to email me, please. Thanks for Folks, listening. Folks, you have your marching orders. You have your marching orders. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. This was Beyond the Scrum. Beyond the Scrum.